Hello, my lovely people, and welcome back to The Fletcher Files, a Murder, She Wrote podcast with your host, Monty. And this week, we're talking about Death Takes a Curtain Call. Season 1, Episode 10, first aired December 16th, 1984. IMDb summarizes it as two Soviet ballet dancers on tour in the States are wanted following the murder of a man backstage during their debut performance. All right, I don't remember. I couldn't remember last week whether I liked this episode or not. It's an okay episode. I do have like six pages or seven pages of notes, so I guess it was interesting enough. So let's get into it. So we open up at Jessica's house, and she's there with Ethan, and she is cutting into what you know is a fresh baked apple pie. Now, this woman stays with baked treats on deck. I love it. (laughs) Um... I love that she's a world-renowned author. She has several books in her catalog already. And she keeps, you know, like fresh baked cookies, apple pies. We'll see some other uh, New England um, favorites or specialties that she also cooks from scratch. Amazing. So anyway, so she has the TV on, which I also appreciate that in 1984, she had a TV in her kitchen, right? <laughs> Just right in her kitchen or right off her kitchen. Um, yeah, in the 90s, actually, I don't think we had a TV in, I take that back. We did have one of those small, like 13 inch, I don't even think it was 13 inch, to be honest. One of those small, portable, black and white TVs with the antenna. We had that on top of our refrigerator (laughs) in the 90s. I don't know what they did in the 80s, but in the 90s, that's what we had in the kitchen. (laughs) Not in the dining room where we actually had dinners, but if you were grabbing a snack or something, you could turn that TV on straight up, turning the dials and moving the antennas to get your station. Anyway, she has what is probably a full-size television in 1984, right there uh, that she's watching as she's uh, cutting up that pie for Ethan. And on TV, there are protests about the Soviet Union ballet dancers coming to put on a performance because the Soviet Union is communist. So they have signs, they're Uh, protesting. And then of course, they find the craziest one to actually interview. So she kind of looks like a crackpot, but let's go with it. So she is just, and this is the worst part, that there were obviously issue, people had issues with communism, people had issues with the Soviet Union. But like these ballet dancers are people. Okay, and they are just trying to bring their craft around the world. This is their ability to get out of the Soviet Union, see what the world has to to offer so that they can make a decision of whether they want to stay within that or defect. Because you couldn't just get on a plane and leave and become an expat in some other country like you could from America. So you don't have to be nasty to them because it is not their fault. Some of them 
are happy in their situation. Others are not. But, you know, to be this nasty about it against these people was a lot. And that's also a very bold thing that the show did because they did take on, in part, an issue regarding America's view of communism, America's view of um, the Soviet Union at the time. And this was a big thing. You know, looking back at it, this was really bold of them to bring this issue to light to some degree. They didn't focus specifically on the issues embedded in the just why America felt that way or Americans felt that way. But just the fact that these, they brought the dispute to light, um, which for a Sunday night show, one hour show, mostly family friendly, of course, except for the murders, um, was very PG, right? And this was kind of a deep issue to bring forward. This isn't the only time that they deal with a controversial issue. And it's not the only time when they deal with um, people defecting from either the Soviet Union this time. And I think next time it's actually Russia. At that point, it's the former Soviet Union, specifically Russia, I think later in another episode in a season further on. Anyway, so um, Jessica's like, well, you know what? I'm going to the ballet. I got a personal invitation. It's invitation only. I'm going to Boston to see it. Ethan, eat your pie and keep it moving. (laughs) I was like, we all know Ethan. He was probably going to say something real out of pocket. She was like, no, I'm going. And it's not those people's fault. I'm going to have a good time. So the next scene, we are at... Uh, we are driving to the ballet. So we meet Leo Peterson. Now on Prime Video, it has him listed as Leo Hatfield. Really random, but okay. He is Leo Peterson. And um, he is with Jessica. He is the person who personally invited her to join him for this debut performance. And um, when they walk in, they we meet uh, Major um, Karzoff. Karzoff, I believe is how it's pronounced, and he is really <laughs> he's interesting. I we can see that Leo is clearly uncomfortable when Major Karzoff um, addresses him and says hello. Um, he they then <laughs> quickly walk off. <laughs> And go to get their playbill. And at this point, we meet Mr. Eddington. He is the art council president. And he is the one who, uh, I guess, championed to have this performance uh, put on at their at this theater. And of course, um, Leo is the one who knows him. And well, actually, no, Jessica knows him. Oh. Right. Jessica is the one who knows him. However, Leo's the one who got the ticket. She introduces Leo to Mr. Eddington. Now, we don't get Eddington's first name, so I'm going to refer to him as Eddington and Leo as Leo. Okay. (laughs) So he gives, Eddington gives Jessica a playbill right off the top. 
And then to Leo, who he's allegedly just meeting for the first time now, he pulls one off the bottom of the stack that he's holding. Jessica clearly sees this. He's not even really slick about it, to be honest. <laughs> like, he's not smooth with it at all. He hands it to Leo. And Jessica's about to say something, but she doesn't. They walk off. The next scene, we are backstage and we meet Irina. And she is, there are other dancers there as well, but Irina is at the end and of the, they're practicing, they're stretching, uh, preparing for the show. And then Skip, spoiler alert, he is not murdered, but my disdain for him runs very deep. And we will see him in future episodes. And I don't think he ever redeems himself. I could be wrong, but most, I don't think I'm wrong. <laughs> anyway, so we meet Skip. Uh, I'm disgusted by him, period. Sorry, putting that out there. If it sounds like I don't like him, it's because I don't. Um, so he is a complete creeper. And he is trying to... Uh, get Irina to go out with him. He's looking for a little hookup situation, thinking because she probably doesn't speak English, she does speak English, okay? But he assumes she doesn't speak English or doesn't speak English well, but he's like rubbing her shoulders. He's just in her face. And thankfully, they have security because unfortunately, the reason they have security is because they don't want the dancers or I don't know if they brought musicians as well, but specifically the dancers, they don't want them to defect from the Soviet Union. So they send them with security. So KGB agents are with them at all times. So one of them comes up and basically is like, hey, 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 leave her alone. And gives not a veil threat, gives a, an actual threat to Skip. And he's just like, whatever, and using derogatory terms and all of this. And I'm thinking to myself, in 2020, do you realize that this agent, if he wanted to, could probably think of 15 different ways to kill you? <laughs> without drawing blood or attention to the fact that you have been murdered. Okay, like, I, I just don't understand how he's so brave and brazen. It doesn't matter if, oh, we're in America. Listen, they're in Boston. I am absolutely sure that Tom Selleck and his family, reference to Blue Bloods, uh, don't want an international incident. <laughs> They'd be like, oh, well, he's dead. I don't know. We didn't see nothing. We don't have any proof. Go on about your business. Go on right back to the Soviet Union. Have a great day, sir. Um, and just a side note that one, Tom Selleck was Magnum PI. And in a few seasons, we see a crossover. Um, they could have did better, but we'll get to it when we get to it. And two, the grandfather on Blue Bloods is Lou Carew, who we will meet as Michael Haggerty in a number of episodes. I really do like him as um, Michael Haggerty. I don't watch Blue Bloods, 
but those are I think every character on Blue Bloods is a cat is an actor that I do like their work so I probably should watch it anyway back to this story we then have Irina she gets she escapes basically because the KGB agent comes over and uh distracts Skip for a little bit um she then goes into the dressing room of the two main ballerinas I don't know what I guess a man is called a ballerina too I don't well anyway um so and we meet Natalia so Irene Irina and Natalia are friends they're um I think it, they're so sweet together like she's congratulating her they're just really nice to each other this is a nice moment um they're clearly speaking in English for the audience uh, <laughs> they both speak English they both speak I'm assuming Russian um I don't know what specific country in the Soviet Union they are from um but they they're not speaking they're both speaking English However, the reason we know that they both speak the same language is because then um, Alexander comes over and he speaks to both Natalia and he speaks to Irina in their mother language. But I think it's still, it was still a very nice scene to see Irina and Natalia. Uh, they look like they were really good friends. Um... We'll discuss that later, perhaps, uh, how good of friends they are. But um, I didn't realize that Natalia and Alexander were married, right? They are credited as um, the characters name, have the same last name. I thought they were brother and sister, to be absolutely honest. Um, but we find out later that they're actually husband and wife. Um, so then the next scene we're in the audience and Jessica is trying to figure out um how she got this special invitation so she's talking to Leo and asking him a few like innocent questions uh but at least I can tell and I'm sure other people can tell that she's trying to figure out how he got an invitation and why he invited her because although they're friends and also we find out Leo actually lives in Cabot Cove. So we have never seen him before and we never see him again. But he lives in Cabot Cove with, you know, in with Jessica. Well, not in her house, obviously. But he has a home and he lives in Cabot Cove. But Jessica's the one who knows Eddington, who is the art council president, and I'm sure she's wondering why I didn't get a ticket. But Leo, who doesn't know, allegedly doesn't know, Eddington got one. So it would make sense why Leo invited Jessica. But she's confused why she didn't get the ticket. And Leo's the one who got the ticket. As am I, to be honest. So anyway, as um, Leo is going through his um, playbill, there is a number 19 written on one of the pages and Jessica sees this and she's about to say something, but then I believe the play starts or Leo says something, but he, she then doesn't get to ask her question. 
So now the next scene, we're backstage and security again has to warn Skip about, you know, hitting on Irina. Like she is off limits. Like, what are you doing? Um, And then the next scene, and they're actually, the play is actually on, not the play. The uh, performance has actually started and the ballerinas have come into the side stage and are getting re- are dancing and then well to keep time they're they're keeping time by continuing to dance in on the side stage and then they go right back out so we see Irina seeing this interaction and then going back out in the flow of the performance and the music and Honestly, oh my god, I can't. Skip is so smug and disgusting and rude and just like the worst America has to offer, okay? The worst. Ugh, gross. Anyway, the next scene, we're back on at the audience and Jessica sees Eddington going backstage. We then immediately go outside and we see the crazy protester banging on the door trying to get in as if anyone's going to open the backstage door and you're yelling and screaming and banging on the door while the performance is going on nobody's opening the door for you crazy lady as she's about to leave the alleyway she hears something turns around and sees someone push out a window opening it so obviously she's going to enter in that window I'm looking and I don't remember seeing any way that she could have climbed up to that window, but we'll talk about that in a minute. So now we're back at the audience. Jessica looks over and she sees um, Major Karzoff um, on the side going backstage as well. Before she can say anything, Leo excuses himself and goes goes out a different way but we're assuming he's also going backstage so she knows like something's going on she doesn't like it that she's not aware of what's going on yet she's part of it because she did come she did ride in with leo so you know he's the one who invited her so you know it's at this point that she's like what's going on i need to know i am uncomfortable And we then see the crazy lady get on stage. And I believe the performance is over at this point. And, um, but the dancers are still on stage. They're just finishing up. I don't think we had the curtain call as yet. This crazy, the crazy lady has gotten in. So she's obviously climbed in the window and come in, made her way to, to the stage. How she missed, how... I take that back. How was she missed by security? How was she missed by uh, the dancers? How was she missed by Eddington? How was she missed by every single person? By Leo? By Major Karzoff? How was she missed by all these people and was able to get on stage? That doesn't make any sense. The amount of security that they had hidden and in person was enough that somebody had to see this crazy lady. And she made it all the way on stage. Then security wakes up and comes out 
and drags her off stage from the same way she came in is where security came from. I Now, I know we have to move the story along and this will become important for, you know, in a minute or two. But that is outrageous to think that this woman would be able to avoid all security and everybody else and make it onto a theater stage. Okay. <laughs> At a special performance where there's a fear that the dancers will defect and run off and hide so they can defect from the Soviet Union. Like, out, it, outrageous. Does not add up. Anyway, then we find out, like, as they're dragging her off, we find out that Alexander and Natalia are missing. So they did not come out for the curtain call. The other ballet dancers did. Um, at that point, that's when they notice that they're not there. Um, Major Karzov uh, tells um, the tells security to go to their dressing room to see if they're back there. While this is happening, Leo grab, basically tells Jessica, let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> like, she's like, well, what? He's like, let's go. So he, he hustles her out of there. Like, don't ask me any questions. Let's get out of here because he knows they're about to lock the theater down and that's exactly what they did and we find out very very shortly um why specifically he wanted to hustle her out of there but just in general if I saw what was going on I would have got the hell out of there too <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie I would have been like oh no these dancers are missing oh uh-uh no no, no, no. Let me get my bag. Let me go. Just excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Okay. And just hustle on down. <laughs> just hustle on down out the theater. Um, call a taxi and be like, goodbye. <laughs> like, I can understand, even though Leo had his specific reasons, that anyone who saw what was going on would have, should have been like, I'm out of here. Goodbye. But Leo had to, thankfully it didn't take a lot of convincing. Jessica is very smart. So she kind of, she already knew something was amiss and that Leo was involved somehow. So when he was like, we got to go, it only took but two seconds for her to be like, okay, and, and head out with him, thankfully. So, <laughs> so then they shut down the theater, lock all the doors. Everyone has to be checked. They go out to Leo's car, which is now parked with straight access out of the small parking lot behind the theater. And there's a chauffeur holding the door open. Jessica looks and she notices that it's Alexander. And so <laughs> dressed as the chauffeur. So Leo's like, get in the car. So <laughs> like, don't ask questions, get in the car. So she does. And... As she moves over, she sees that Natalia is in the back. And um, they Leo gets in next to Jessica and Alexander takes off immediately. Now we find out while they're in the car making their way someplace, we don't, they didn't necessarily have a plan plan. Um, so we find out that Leo is Natalia's uncle. We find out later that he's her great uncle, but uncle nonetheless. And um, 
that Leo asked Jessica to the ballet because if he was there alone with an Eastern European accent, that he would have been found to be suspicious. They would have been keeping an eye on him because there was really a great fear that these uh, very important people, probably considered celebrities within the Soviet Union, would defect. And so if he came in alone with his accent, that they may be keeping an eye on him, thinking that he would assist uh, anyone who was trying to defect because perhaps he has defected and would assist them. So he needed Jessica as a cover. And so Jessica's like, uh, okay, cool. But um, someone has been murdered. I'm sorry, we find out. <laughs> My bad. We find out back at the theater that not only is Alexander and Natalia missing, but that the KGB agent who had um, uh, words with Skip twice was killed. He was stabbed in the back with a dagger that we learned was part of Alexander's costume. So he's dead. Jessica's like, someone's been murdered. Um, we have to go to the police. Now I'm thinking, Jessica, you are a very bright woman. You are worldwide. Um, you have friends from different countries, different cultures, different backgrounds, all of that, right? You realize that they can't call the police because the police, the local police, are going to, and it's the death of a KGB agent, one, the FBI is going to arrest them immediately. They're not going to ask questions. Two, they're probably going to immediately deport them back to the Soviet Union because they tried to defect, regardless of if they actually murdered this guy or not, that they're going to be sent back to the Soviet Union to be uh, tortured or whatever happens to those who attempt to unsuccessfully attempt to defect. So we got to be serious about this. We cannot get law enforcement involved with this because these two are trying to defect. And yes, Leo is trying to help because this is his great niece and his nephew, her husband. So we can't, we can't get the Boston Police Department involved in this international incident. They're just going to get put right back in the hands of the KGB, which they're trying to avoid. But Jessica quickly realizes that they can't get law enforcement involved for these very reasons, that they're going to end up um, suffering greatly if they're turned over to local law enforcement, because then it's going to be federal law enforcement and then Soviet Union law enforcement. So she says that, well, okay, so Leo... Natalia, Alexander, y'all go back to Cabot Cove. I am going to call Ethan to tell him to help you guys out. Um, I don't know if it's at this point we learned that Leo actually lives in Cabot Cove. Um, but so he, he knows Ethan, I guess, to some degree as well. But she's like, I'm going to look into this, right? You guys go to Cabot Cove. You'll be safe there. So they drop her off. 
I believe back at the theater and drive straight to Cabot Cove. So now she's back at the theater and the FBI agent, um, I don't even know, remember what his name is, to be honest. Um, he also annoyed me, not as much as Skip, not as much as Skip. <laughs> and so they, the FBI agent and Major Karzoff are speaking to Skip. The FBI agent is asking him questions and Major Karzoff is, uh, is asking questions here and there. The FBI agent's getting a little snippy. And Major Karzoff's like, hey, listen, um, I'm just trying to help. So like, this involves me as well. I was supposed to make sure that everyone who came from the Soviet Union returned back to the Soviet Union. So I'm in this. Okay, and that was one of his agents. So even more so, it's his responsibility to figure out what happened because a lot of people want are going to want answers. So um, the Jessica comes in, and they kind of finish with Skip, and um, Major Karzoff is like, "Oh, you know, Mrs. Fletcher, I, I read your books." Uh, I know of your writing and your reputation as someone who has helped solve murders. So he he's definitely a fan of hers. And Jessica was like, oh, you know, that's great. Um, yeah, but Russia doesn't pay authors royalties. Okay. So, <laughs> so yeah, I'm happy that you're a fan of mine. And that you know my reputation, but I am salty about that. And she actually brings that up. Well, it comes up again in another episode. Also, it's not about defecting, but it involves, um, I think she's in Russia in that episode. Anyway, so um, that's this is when we find out that the murder weapon was from Alexander's costume and that uh, Sergei, that's the name of the KGB agent who um, we who was trying to protect Irina from Skip the Creeper, that he went to find them. He was the one that Major Karzoff sent to see if they were in their dressing room. And Major Karzoff, his theory is that when... Sergey got back there that he found them, tried to detain Natalia. Um, Alexander sees this. That's his wife, you know, not besides the fact that she's a woman, uh, but that is specifically his wife. So in a bid to protect her, he picks up, he takes the knife off of his costume and stabs, um, uh, stabs Sergey. That also, they found scratches on Sergei's face, to which uh, Major Karzoff says was a result of his struggle with Natalia, that she must have scratched his face and in the struggle, trying to get loose, and uh, Alexander then stabbed uh, Sergei in the back, and they fled. Jessica is uh, like, yeah, that, that theory's wrong, but okay, let me get back to work so I can figure out what actually happened. And so um, 
the major cars off is like, oh, well, um, if you're going to be staying here, I, you know, I, there may, there's probably rooms in my hotel. It's really nice, et cetera, et cetera. So my question is, how is Jessica staying overnight and she has no change of clothes? Am I the only one who noticed that? That she just has on the outfit she's wearing and a purse. She doesn't have an overnight bag. But anyway, I was just really thrown off by that. <laughs> I was like, Jessica, writers, like, uh, she does not have a change of clothes. And um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so at the hotel... <laughs> Jessica gets a room, a beautiful room, and she calls Ethan and um, she's like, all right, are they there? It's like, yes, they're here. I have the two on my boat. Um, you know, what's going on? She's like, I'll tell you later. Thank you. Good looking out. She hangs up. She turns on the TV and then there's banging on the door. Like there's literally banging on her hotel door. She then proceeds to turn up the volume of the TV to watch the end of the news program segment about the murder of the KGB agent and the um, disappearance of Natalia and Alexander. She then goes and opens the door after the segment ends. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> it's like someone is like about to knock down your door and you're like, uh, I'm trying to watch this. As if it's not going to replay um, in about 20 minutes, to be honest. <laughs> I was like, and that was loud banging. Like, to the point, she's just like, I'm just going to turn up the volume so I can hear what's going on. <laughs> and then she opens the door and has an attitude. <laughs> I was like, he wouldn't have been banging so long if he would have just answered the door. But... <laughs> It's Major Karzov. He's like, sorry, you know, I'm law enforcement. I tend to bang on the door like a police officer, um, which is fine because it is a big room. So I'm not going to lie that she pro if she was in the bedroom, she might not have heard him if he knocked normally. But I, th I was like, how shady and disrespectful. <laughs> just turn up the volume of the TV and just I'm not going to answer that door <laughs> till I'm good and ready. Let him knock it down. I'm not paying for it. Anyway, so then we're at FBI or police headquarters. I'm, I can't tell, but it's some police precinct of some sort. And so we find out that there was blood on Sergey's handkerchief that was in his pocket. So at this point, Jessica's like, well, does that... Well, then that means that he got scratched beforehand. So that really um, uh, negates, uh, doesn't support um, your conclusion that in the struggle, Natalia scratched Sergei's face. Um, to which Major Karzoff was like, oh, you're right. The FBI agent was like, well, not necessarily, whatever. Um because then Major Karzoff turns to the FBI agent and is like, so he did not put his bloody handkerchief in his pocket after being stabbed in the back <laughs> and 
as he was dying, he didn't put this bloody handkerchief in his pocket. So now that at least Major Karzoff is convinced that the scratching incident happened before the murder, before this interaction that resulted in his murder, of Sergei's murder, um, the FBI agent asked <clears throat> that the woman, the crazy protester who they have still have in custody, thankfully, um, to go check her because they found green fibers um, on Sergey's watch. Okay, so he asked an officer to go and check the fibers against the crazy protester's sweater. In addition to that, as the guy is walking out, Jessica says, well, also check under her fingernails. So the guy was like, will do. And he goes off. So um, we're putting things together, at least one aspect of this. So the next, um, well, actually, so then we're back at the hotel. Jessica um, is is with Major Karzoff. At this point, he, um, he, they're going to their rooms. He asked for a nightcap. She's like, no, thank you. I'll take a rain check. Okay. It's been a long day. And so he gets off on his floor. And instead of her going up to her floor, she goes down. The next scene, we're at Eddington's house. And he has on this beautiful red smoking jacket. Okay. (laughs) He has a beautiful apartment. Like, or townhouse, whatever it is, it is very well done, I must say. I I don't know what he does for a living. Uh, I don't know if the art council president gets a salary or if he comes from family money, but that is a nice sitting room. So you can imagine what the rest of his place looks like. Anyway, so we find out that Eddington actually knows Leo because Eddington's father helped Leo defect and that Leo was a dancer back home in the Soviet Union, but his career ended abruptly when a stage light fell, causing him, and he couldn't get out the way in enough time, and he ended up injuring his leg. And Jessica says, well, that would explain his limp. So, um... At that point, I'm I'm guessing that that had to be heartbreaking for him because he was dedicated to dancing and now that was taken away from him. And in addition to that, to see his great niece and her husband, I'm going to guess they probably met as dancers, so um, that both of them are professional ballet dancers and are have the opportunity to tour the world. You know, I, I'm sure that that really did something for Leo and that's probably even more so why he, ha- he was close to her and wanted to help them defect to the United States. Now, we also find out that Eddington is the one who opened the window and that was to the musician's room. So this is how the crazy lady got in, that was the window that she saw being opened. And it was, he was directed by Leo to do that so that Leo was going to climb in. How he climbed in, we're not even going to talk about that, okay? 
I don't know how that was possible for him to get in that window, but the show must go on, okay? It, it doesn't make sense. Anyway, so um, he go on and climb in the window. Now, we see him climb in the window in a flashback, right? <laughs> I was like, you know, there was like... Uh, like scaffolding out there and he just really kind of just stepped in. He wasn't climbing over nothing. Um, I was like, they would have never let that actor climb up the side of the building to climb in a window um, just for this. Anyway, so Leo was going to climb in the window and put a change of clothes in a locker. And Jessica said, locker 19? Yes, that was how I signaled him. I put it in the playbill, the number, so he knew which locker to put the clothes in. Now, just as an aside, um, he used a viola case, right? A viola is slightly larger than a violin. Now, we saw what Sergey, not Sergey, we saw what Alexander and Natalia were wearing. This is what they changed into. So he was bringing a change of clothes. How did that fit in a Viola case? That is impossible that those two outfits, he had, Alexander had on an entire suit, an entire suit. Now, maybe the hat was already in the car. That I could believe. But he had on an entire suit that they said fit in addition to Natalia, who looked like she had three layers of clothes on. (laughs) She had an outside coat and everything. Even if it wasn't the outside coat and that was her own somehow um, that Leo didn't bring, it's impossible that they put the outfits of two grown people, fully developed adults, into a viola case. Now, he wouldn't have been able to navigate a cello case through that window. It, it would have been impossible. It, the clothes would have fit in a cello case, but a viola case was more, uh, was probably, was obviously easier to maneuver, but not believable as a place that you could put two entire outfits in. Okay, now back to this. Now, we also find out from Eddington that he saw Sergey coming out of the musician room holding a handkerchief to his face. Now, we also saw this. Uh, earlier in the episode. So we saw this as it happened. Now we are brought back to that uh, with this conversation, uh, this retelling by Eddington to Jessica. So we now know that he was scratched well before the show was over and well before the... um, before Alexander and Natalia got up to the room to change. So um, we then have Jessica say, okay, well, it's time for me to leave. Thank you for the drink. Um, I'll be on my way. And so um, Eddington, I believe, offers to drive her or get a taxi for her. But I think he said he would drive her to the hotel. And she's like, no, it's fine. It's, I, I can walk. I, I'm, I'm fine. I'm like, uh, I don't care if it's a nice part of Boston. Uh, that's dangerous, ma'am. So he uh, he lets her go. He's like, all right, I hope you don't get killed out there. <laughs> you said that you were fine. So Jessica's on the street and she's walking. And then we see 
a set of men's feet and legs in uh, suit pants uh, following behind her. So she walks faster, that person walks faster. Then um, we see the person walk and then stop. <clears throat> she comes out from behind and says, are you looking for me, Agent Nagy? And so <laughs> it is at this point, Major Karzoff pulls up in a vehicle and is like, uh, yeah, she's like, I knew he was following me, so it's fine. He was like, <laughs> now I don't know. I I think Major Karzoff told us how he figured out that she had left the hotel. Uh, I don't remember what it was, but I believe he did tell us and had Agent Nagy, KGB Agent Nagy, on her trail. So she was like, I knew you had somebody watching. So I, that's why I wasn't concerned about walking back to the hotel. You should have just told me <laughs> explicitly. Um, you know, you could have just been out in the open with it. Like you didn't have to secretly follow me. I knew you were going to send someone. So then um, we find out from the major that the crazy ladies, green fibers, are the ones that were in um, Sergey's watch. And that she did have skin under her fingernails. So she is has officially been arrested for his murder. Even though we know from Eddington that her inter- he was alive after his interaction with Crazy Lady. Because he was already scratched and bleeding when Eddington saw him. Again, before the end of the performance. So... He was still alive at that after uh, tangling with the crazy protest lady. So the next scene, we're in Cabot Cove and Amos is at the dock and he's talking to Alexander and he's like, oh, you must be the new deckhand and da, da, da. And Alexander's like, yep, yep, nope. That That's, I guess, all the English that he knows. Um, and so then... Uh, Ethan comes out, is like, oh, oh, okay, let me get him away from him. And Amos is like, oh, um, just be on the lookout for um, two, uh, well, something uh, something offensive, toe dancers, which I, that's probably offensive for ballet dancers, to be honest, too. So, like, the, his whole statement was offensive to several groups of people. And um, he said that they had um, fled after killing uh, a KGB agent in um, Boston. And so Ethan was like, oh, like, but how, you know what they look like? And he said he could spot a Russian from a mile away. Okay, mind you, he was within feet of Alexander. Okay, but I guess that was too close for him to recognize that Alexander was Russian. Okay, because maybe the further away he is, the better he is at realize recognizing Russian individuals. But then that theory's out the window because he sees Natalia from like a quarter mile away. And he's like, oh, like, she's pretty. Like, what? what's this? Da, da, da. And Ethan makes up a quick story and, like, ushers him off. 
um, so that he can get back to them and get them back on his boat out of sight because this it's a little too hot in this spot right now. So <laughs> he's like, I got to put them back into hiding. So uh, obviously Amos is not able to identify Russians from a mile away because I'm sure he has a certain image of Russians and Natalia and Alexander do not fit that stereotypical look that I'm assuming he is talking about. So thankfully for them, just saying. So the next scene, we're back at the hotel. Now it's the next morning. Context clues tells me it's the next morning. And Jessica is in the same outfit. Period. So the major, I think he has changed. He's in a full suit, so I really can't tell, but I think it's a different suit. He had planned to stay, so he definitely has changes of clothes. Um, and then we learn from Major Karzoff that the dagger that was used uh, to... Because Jessica brings up the fact, well, wasn't the dagger on uh, Alexander's outfit? So how did... A crazy protest lady use it to murder Sergey Dagger <clears throat> that was on part of Alexander's costume was not part of the wedding scene. Now, the wedding scene was the last scene before curtain call. And it did not, that costume did not include the dagger. The protest lady could have gotten in while they were doing the wedding scene and murdered Sergey because the knife would have been available. So we also find out that Irina and Natalia are best friends. So we saw their interaction earlier and you could see that they seem to genuinely care for each other. Um, so we find out that they are in fact best friends. So which makes things a little dicey in, in a little bit. Anyway, so... Jessica calls, um, the major calls Irina over to meet Jessica and Jessica gives her not apologies, but sympathy about, you know, Natalia being missing, um, and understanding the loss of a, a good friend. And so Irina then goes back to sit with a few other dancers. I guess they were having breakfast, but they were all really somber because, two of their friends and um, fellow dancers are missing. Not that they made it out, but scared for them that if they're found, what they know what will happen if Natalia and Alexander are found and returned to the custody of the KGB. So I think they're really somber about that. They're hoping that they made it out and can... Um, defect uh, successfully. But right now with the unknown, they're very scared that they will be found and be brought back. And, you know, they're really scared about the consequences for Natalia and Alexander. So I, I could understand how extremely stressful the other dancers are feeling right now. So now, uh, and then Jessica tells us that she's going to take the bus back to Cabot Cove and that um, don't worry that Amos will be waiting for her. We're back at Cabot Cove <laughs> 
And Amos says that Ethan's new deckhand, Alexander, sounds like he's from Bangor, Maine. Bangor, Maine. Okay. (laughs) This man is from Russia. And he's like, he has said exactly two words. Yep. And nope. And he's like, yeah, he sounds like he's from Bangor, Maine. (laughs) I don't know what people from Bangor sound like. I have heard uh, Stephen King speak and he does not sound Russian to me. Um, But I also have never heard him say yep and nope. So perhaps I am incorrect. Uh, (laughs) Maybe I'm wrong. So anyway, the next scene, we are at Jessica's house for dinner and she has Natalia, Alexander, Leo and Ethan are all there. Um, I'm sure she probably cooked everything from scratch because Jessica, standards. And then there's a knock on the door to which Jessica's like, oh, okay, you guys have to hide. Now Leo has to hide too, which is interesting (laughs) because he is um, a citizen. Like he he lives in Cabot Cove, but uh, you know, the block is still hot for him too because he we learn soon why the block is still hot for him. So they go and hide. And Ethan goes with Jessica to... No, Ethan goes with them to make sure they're hidden. Jessica goes to the door. At the door is Dewey Johnson, okay? He is looking for Ethan. Ethan comes around and it's like, oh, hi, yeah. He asked for... I forget what Ethan's last name, but Captain whatever Ethan's last name is. He's like, oh, that's me. And so he said he has some problem with his boat. And um, Ethan was like, yeah, I can't help you with that. But maybe whoever, whoever may have the part that you need. So he asked to use the phone. So Jessica's like, okay, you can use the phone over here. Uh, Takes him into the kitchen. And um, he uses the phone. And as he's dialing, Jessica's like, oh, because he has a he has a stereotypical New England accent. Um, and I say that as a New Yorker, um, that New England has an accent. Now, there's a specific Boston accent that we identify. Anything else, anything else is New England. I apologize. I do not have a keen enough ear to tell what part of New England someone is from other than specifically those who have a Bostonian accent. So anyway, he says, she asked him because he does sound like a New Englander. uh, Where is he from? Oh, are you from down East? He says, no, I'm from Bar Harbor. Uh, No, I'm from Maine. Bar Harbor, Maine. Something to that effect. He says, no, I'm from Bar Harbor. So, and he says that he was born and bred in Bar Harbor. Now, um, he then, she then leaves him to his phone call. He comes back out. He leaves. She, she, he says, oh, he has the part I need. I'm going to head over there. Thank you. So he leaves and, um, he, I think he said he was going to hitchhike. I'm like, who is out at this time of night who's going to give you a ride in this small town? Okay, but I'm guessing either who dropped him off, for one. 
uh, that they didn't wait around to see if they could help him out. Or they assumed that Ethan would drive him back to the dock. Uh, but two, um, how did he get, like, who was at the dock that told him to find Ethan and that Ethan was at, um, Jessica's house? See, no, no, he, he messed up. He messed up from jump. Jessica didn't believe him from the time she opened that door. Anyway, so he leaves They come out of the back, being Leo, Natalia, and Alexander come from out the back. And they said, she's like, oh, he, yeah, he, I don't know who sent him, but he definitely wasn't here um, for any, uh, for, he was here for notorious reasons, basically. And they're like, how do you know? And so she's like, "Um, well, he said, I asked him if he was from down east. And he said, no, he's from Maine. Uh, or no, he's from Bar Harbor. And so Leo was like, okay, how is that? Why is that a signal to you? And <clears throat> Ethan says, it's the same thing. Down east is Maine. So him saying no means that he is not from around here. Because anyone in New England would know if we say down east, we mean Maine. So they all get that. Uh, They're like, oh, okay. So she's like, yeah, okay. He definitely planted a bug on my my, uh, phone in the kitchen. So she's on to game. Now we, um, I, I think they leave. Like I think at this point, Ethan takes them off to put them back into hiding. And then there's this banging on the door I'm like, well, we know who it is. But like, honestly, you banging on the door like that? She has a doorbell that works perfectly fine. And of course, it was Major Cars off banging on her door like she's a suspect. Okay. <laughs> and Amos is there and Nagy, who is a, another KGB agent, the one who was following her in Boston. And they have a warrant to search her house. Uh, the crazy lady... Uh, talked and she said that she saw Leo climbing into the window of the musician room and that, um, you know, he had a violin case. And so this is the point where they kind of show us that. I can't say a flashback, but they show us that happening. And again, I'm like, how did this man with the bum leg climb in through that little behind window? But okay, whatever. Moving the story along. And um, Amos says, okay, well, I'll go check over here. And he comes back. They're like, they do a search. They can't find anybody. And (laughs) Jessica's like, Amos, how was that muffin? And he was like, it was very good, (laughs) Mrs. Fletcher. (laughs) She knows. She knows that he wasn't out here, out here looking for anybody. He was out. He went to the kitchen specifically because he knew she had baked something he came to eat. That is it. And so <laughs> he didn't even have crumbs on him. She just knew he went in there to have whatever baked treat she had, which today was muffins. So um, Leo, we find out, is a Cabot Cove resident. And that's how he knows Jessica. 
And obviously he couldn't hide them at his house. That's the first place they would go. Like he's a former Soviet Union national. Like, uh, yeah, we're going to his house first. So he definitely couldn't have hidden them there. But I think it's so interesting Like he defected years ago. Eddington's father had helped him and he settled in Cabot Cove. They then arrest him for obstruction of justice um, because they assume that he assisted in... No, I think he admits to the murder. He admits to the murder and they're like, yeah, no, you didn't commit the murder, but we are going to arrest you for obstruction because you assisted in the defection attempt by your grand niece and or great grand niece great niece whichever um and her husband your great or grand nephew so um Jessica the next scene Jessica calls the ballet she calls the theater and um, we know that uh, Dewey Johnson is listening. We actually see him listening. And she knows that there's a bug on the phone. So she's well aware that he's listening and she wants him to listen. She's setting things up. We're, we're about to land this plane. She's setting it up. So she calls and she talks to, oh, just a second. We see the name of the boat, okay? Dewey Johnson is on a boat called Tally Ho. Tally Ho. Just leaving that there. Just, it's a dog's life. Just leaving it there. Just period. Anyway, so Jessica asked to speak with Irina and she wanted to pass along a message from Alexander, which she gives in Russian. And she's like, I hope I pronounced it correctly. She was like, no, I got the message. Yes. Oh, I'm so happy that they're safe. And, um, you know, you, you said the message perfectly. So she's like, well, how about you come to Cabot Cove and um, so that we can set up a meeting or something with them? And she's like, okay, but I don't know how I'm going to get back there. Well, get there. And she said, oh, ask Skip. I'm sure he'll help. Yeah, I, um, Jessica, I, okay, that's dangerous. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I would not put her in a vehicle for any amount of time with Skip the Creep. I'm sorry. I would never do that. That, to me, is dangerous, period. Anyway, so <laughs> the next morning, okay, Jessica goes out for her daily jog and we see behind the most anorexic bush I have ever seen, like a straight up uh, like hedge after half of the leaves have fallen off, but not all of them. There is a man, I'm assuming is Naggy, in a full suit and hat bent over looking through the bush, (laughs) his entire body is out in the public. Okay. Just out. And he's behind this, (laughs) this hedge, this hedge. Okay. Watching Jessica's house. I'm like this. I can't, I can't, I can not even tell you how I had to stop the tape. 
Okay, I had to stop, pause. I had to press pause and laugh at the ridiculousness of this KGB agent, quote unquote, hiding while spying on Jessica behind this shrub. Okay, terrible, terrible. <laughs> and it was a mess. It was a mess. Uh, and it's broad daylight. It is broad daylight. Oh my goodness. She clearly saw him. Like, let's not play games. But this is all part of the setup. But I literally cried laughing at the ineptness of Nagy in this scene. Okay, I'm gonna, I promise I'm gonna move on, but I, I, I can't. I can't. Okay, I'm moving on. <laughs> So now it's that evening. I guess they've been driving all day or they just left after the show, whatever. We're in the car. Skip is driving Irina from Boston to Cabot Cove. Um, we, they have a discussion. She's like, we're almost there. We're almost there. Jesus. If you weren't, didn't want to drive me, you should have said no. He thought he was going to get some favor for doing this, but it's like, you ain't getting nothing, uh, definitely before we get there. So I don't know what you was thinking. Get me to where I need to go. Actually, I, if it wasn't dark, she probably would have been like, let me off here. I'll walk the rest of the way, creeper. Anyway, we find out in the next scene, uh, that Dewey works for the FBI. He calls the, um, FBI agent that we met again. I did not get his name wasn't important. And um, he notifies him of what he heard, that Irina is coming to Cabot Cove for a meetup with Natalia and and Alexander. We again see Skip demonstrating how incredibly annoying he is. Um, So fast forward... We finally get to Jessica's house and we find out from Irina that she was with Alexander before Natalia was with Alexander. And although they're like best friends, so I don't know how that worked out that you were with him first, y'all broke up, he then gets with her and marries her. So, and she is like the prima ballerina. Like, they are the stars of this performance. So, uh, I don't know. Natalia must be real um, naive because you can't tell me that this woman who, I don't know if they were best friends before this happened or became friendly after, but I wouldn't trust her at all. Because not only are you two not together, but he married me. And together, we are the stars of this uh, touring performance, you know? That got to be a lot. Like, I wouldn't trust her even if she was like, no, it's fine. It's cool. I think you guys are beautiful together. You're, he's the one for you, not for me. I wouldn't trust it. I wouldn't trust it. Um. And 
we further learn why Natalia should have uh, just been cordial with Irina because they were co-workers, but not besties of besties. Because Irina believes that Alexander still loves her. And she points to the fact that he, the message that Jessica gave him, gave her from him was basically like, I'll love you forever, you know? And so Jessica was like, yeah, no, I got that from Leo. He gave me the words. Like, Alexander said none of that. Uh, This was a setup. So (laughs) we now find out, I, you know, that, and Irina is, we then start discussing the murder of Sergei. And so Irina is like, it had to be Skip. He was mad because Sergey was um, basically blocking him from getting to me. And Skip thought that Sergey and I had a relationship. And so um, that's why Skip murdered him. And Skip is like, what? No, I didn't. Uh, what? Uh, hey, yeah, well, uh, mm, huh? So <laughs> Jessica's like, no, that's not true. You killed Sergey. So... Um, we find out that Irina did kill Sergey. That after it was discovered that Natalia and Alexander uh, were not there, she also ran back to the dressing room to see if they were there. When she got there, she got there before Sergey did, and she saw that they weren't there. Sergey came in and was like, they defected. Um, And so he was going to call um, and have the theater locked down. And so she didn't know if they had gotten out or not, but she didn't want to take the chance that the theater would be locked down before they got out. Um, So she then stabbed Sergey in the back with the dagger that had been left from Alexander's uh, costume from the previous... um, from earlier in the play. So um, to, to some degree, it's understandable what she did, right? So I think she does actually consider Natalia a friend as opposed to a rival. Like, I don't think she has ill will towards um, Natalia. She just still loves Alexander, So she cares for both of them in a different way, which is a very odd situation, but she was willing to murder somebody to ensure that they could successfully defect. So I don't know how to feel about that. I don't. I really don't. I just wish that Skip was the one who got murdered. Just putting that out there. Anyway, so Amos then takes... Irina into custody. Um, We find out that the FBI um, was listening in and heard, overheard Jessica say that that Natalia and Alexander were on um, Ethan's boat or somebody's boat that, and so that's where they were. They were watching an empty boat um, while all of this was happening at Jessica's house. So we, so then they, they leave, Amos leaves with Irina, taking her into custody. Um, I don't know what's going to happen 
in her situation. I feel sorry for her. You shouldn't murder some you should not murder someone, but I, I feel bad for her to a degree. So then Skip is like, ah, well, yeah. This this is my favorite part. This this is my favorite part of the episode. This this moment in time. Skip says, well, if no one objects, I'll get the hell out of here. To which Jessica says, I was just about to suggest the same thing. Good night, Mr. Fleming. She's like (laughs) the most polite way for her to say, get the hell out of here. Well, I, perfection, perfection. Like, (laughs) you're like, I was about to tell you to get the hell out of here, but you said it for me. Thank you. Goodbye. So, (laughs) next we see, uh, we hear that uh, Jessica tells us that Alexander and Natalia are on their way to Portland to seek asylum. So hopefully they get it. Um, We don't hear anything further. So I'm assuming they do. I really wish the best for them. Um, So the major is there. And I believe she tells him that. She tells him they're on their way to Portland to seek asylum. So there's nothing you can do. He's like, I don't care. Um, She's like, hey, you know, like, why don't you stay? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, I got to go home. You know, that's where I I love my home country and I'm going back, you know. Um, But, you know, how's the fishing here? You know, like maybe once I retire, you know. How's the fishing here? And she was like, oh, it's excellent, et cetera, et cetera. And um, he says that uh, sometimes a man wants to be compromised, which I was like, oh, hey, as he's, and then he kisses Jessica's hand. I'm like, oh, hey, okay, major cars off, all right. But my question and concern is uh, can Major Karzov go back to the Soviet Union with a dead agent, an arrested ballerina, and two defected, defect, defecting, I think it's the word defecting, nationals. Like, two celebrities have defected in under his watch, um... And one has been arrested for murdering one of his agents. Like, can he actually go back to the Soviet Union and not face um, consequences? I am concerned about that because um, I don't know. Unless he's going to spin it the way it happened, like it was Sergei's responsibility to watch them. And he was the one backstage while, um, and he never called uh, Major Karzoff for assistance to say that he needed help in, you know, ensuring all the ballet dancers were staying in line and that their uh, efforts were thwarted because one of the ballerinas who's now under arrest in the United States murdered the KGB agent to assist those the two that were defecting so basically like it wasn't my fault now I don't know if that'll work 
But I am very concerned about him going back to the Soviet Union, having uh, failed to this degree. Okay, Um, just going to say that. So that's the end of the episode. It was it was watchable, like not one of my favorites, but it's not it's definitely not a terrible um, episode. Not not by far. There are mm, there may there's a few. But this one's not one of those. Um, again, I didn't have anything invested in the KGB agent who was unfortunately murdered. I, he really didn't have a dog in this fight. I really wasn't connected to him. Um, you know, I, the thing I like about Murder, She Wrote is typically the person who's murdered is the douchebag, uh, excuse my language, of... <laughs> of the episode. It's usually, you're, I'm usually able to deal with the, uh, a rude person, a nasty person, a disrespectful person, knowing that they're going to be the one who was murdered. Like they're going to be gone. Like we're not going to have to deal with them. But here, someone who really was, you know, he obviously was a named character, but really was inconsequential to this and I didn't think that he was a jerk or anything uh by far I think he was doing his job and basically saving Irina from this from Skip the Creep uh I don't know I think that's why where my issue comes with the saying that this was a great episode or a really good episode and not just a fair episode because the person who should have been murdered wasn't. And the person who was murdered didn't have a stake in this game. Like really, I hate to say this, was not important, (laughs) was not an important enough character for me to care that he was murdered. Sorry, not sorry. So I will bid you farewell for this week and I will see you next week. And if you want early access to that, you can go over and sign up for Patreon. Just me being dramatic on Patreon. If not, I will see you right back here on your favorite podcast platform next week. Cannot wait. Talk to you guys then. Bye.